You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. This is Jack Christides. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers today. Uh, it's been a couple weeks without the program here. Excited to get back at it. A lot of sports news, a lot of sports business news to cover um, since the last time we spoke live on air. So it's a great day, and I can't wait to bring you all this content on America's Web Radio. So with that, let's jump right into it. Let's do it. And let's talk about something that I really never anticipated talking about on radio. Honestly, never anticipated talking about it all, and I'm sure many of you did not either. And that is Nickelodeon's NFL game broadcast. Um, if you didn't notice over this past weekend, which I'm sure many people didn't, um, the Saints-Bears game, the Saints-Bears wild card weekend playoff game actually aired on Nickelodeon. Now, uh, for those of you not familiar, Nickelodeon, very popular children's channel. Um, I think it airs like SpongeBob and, and a bunch of other children's shows, things like that. Um, but they, they had a partnership with the NFL to do this one wild card game to test it out and see how see how it would go. Uh, and it was a smashing success. Nickelodeon's NFL game broadcast was the network's most watched program in over four years. So clearly it brought a lot of viewership to the network. Um, and also really the goal was to get a lot of the younger audience paying attention to football, so get a lot of the kids watching. Um, I actually tuned into this wild card broadcast on Nickelodeon just for a little bit, just for about five to ten minutes. I'll be honest, uh, it, it wasn't my speed. Um, then again, it, it, it was a little bit more for the kids. To me, it felt a little bit gimmicky. Um, it, I mean... They had CGI googly eyes on the players. The first down line was lime green instead of normal green. Uh, they slimed the end zone after players scored touchdowns. If you don't know what that means, there was virtual slime going on the players. Um, you had young Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory uh, explaining what football is to all the kids. L- different commentators. Um commentators being a little more reserved than they might usually be, explaining the game a little bit more. Uh, Overall, uh, this partnership between CBS and Nickelodeon, it seems to be a success. It's something that uh, was definitely interesting and definitely different, Um, but it it was so well received that I would not be shocked if CBS kind of tried to pull this again um, and give Nickelodeon a couple more games just to get the kids more involved, because again, I mean, you don't want to run into the same problem with the NFL that you're running into with the MLB, uh, and that is that we're seeing Gen Z is just watching both of these sports in alarmingly low numbers um, compared to past generations, so kudos to the NFL uh, on at least attempting to reach a younger audience, uh, and to CBS for being willing to branch out, and Nickelodeon as well. Um, congratulations for those ratings, and, and hopefully we see that continuing into the future. Uh, I'm going to move forward with another story that, again, it has a little bit to do about how we how we view our live sports, not only how we view our live sports in this situation, but how we view and gamble on our live sports. Now, you may remember uh, several months back, we talked briefly about Fubo TV. 
on uh, on the program and and how Fubo TV could potentially change the way that we view sports um, by allowing a platform where you can gamble live on whatever you're streaming. Um, I also said at the time uh, that Fubo TV might be a good investment. I believe since that time, uh, if you had put money in, <clears throat> pardon me, if you had put money into Fubo TV um, on the day that we first talked about it, I went back and checked and. Um, I won't give you the exact figures because I don't want anyone to feel left out, but needless to say, you, you would have made a, a decent chunk of change. Um, so I still think Fubo TV is an incredible platform. Um, and they just popped up in the news again. Uh, their shares jumped 20% yesterday. Uh, and that was after Fubo acquired Bigtree. Um, so for those of you who don't know what Bigtree was, uh, it's a sports betting startup. Um, they plan to have a full-fledged sports book later this year. Uh, and Fubo is, in fact, merging with them in an attempt to surpass their competitors. Um, now, the terms for that deal were not disclosed, um, but it is expected to be totally closed in this first quarter, and it does position Fubo, again, founded in 2015 um, as an Internet-delivered pay TV operator, kind of like a hybrid company, um, similar to like a dozen, um, where you can watch boxing or, or something like that. Now, of course, Victory is, is far smaller than DraftKings and FanDuel on its own, and Fubo TV is far smaller than Hulu Plus and, and YouTube TV on its own. Um, but it's really the blending of the two businesses, the online streaming uh, and the online gambling, which allows Fubo TV to be prime to be a real competitor in both spaces. Um, the st- I mean, so since then, the stock has been growing so quickly for Fubo TV. Uh, it's tripled since its IPO last fall. Um, and a lot of investor circles, and a lot of people that I, I talk to, a lot of uh, sports business professionals who are, who are big in the investment world as well, have been discussing putting more and more money into Fubo TV. Um, but a, a lot of people are saying... Um, that the Bears uh, may be overextended on this stock. So um, it really comes down to personal preference. If you ask me, Fubo is the first to market, but first to market does not always make the most money. Um, I I think some of the bigger brands are going to be able to compete in a way that Fubo TV never would be able to. Um, I mean, I think we're at a point now where you you could see mergers between like ESPN Plus and DraftKings or – uh, Bet MGM and Dozen, or any number of mergers between streaming services and gambling, uh, online gambling, online sports books. Um, with the emergence of sports books, it's it's just the next logical trend. Um, that being said, I think now is a great time um, as a whole um, to read up on the online sports gambling businesses. Because um, I think there's there's a lot of money to be made, and it's still an emerging market. Um, but it's definitely going to change the way we view sports. If you think back, um, I'm sure we've got a lot of a lot of historical ESPN watchers uh, listening to the program right now. And if you if you've watched ESPN for any number of years, um, you'll probably have taken note that in just the, the past, I want to say the past four to five years, it seems like to me, um, you've seen. And Fox Sports as well, actually. Fox Sports has been doing a lot of the gambling as well. But you started to see betting tickers uh, along the side of every game, every sports uh, 
program uh, talk show, just telling you the lines, what you're able to bet on, and then individual shows where they've got people telling you um, what you should bet on, what the best picks of the week are, the best value picks, or, or the locks of the week, um, what have you. Any number um, of ways to get betting involved, and now you're going to be able to bet live, integrated, while watching the event. So definitely something that uh, we're going to keep tracking and, and something that is incredible to see. Um, now, with that being said, if you are looking for more information about Fubo, Fubo TV, um, I would suggest going and checking out Deadline. Um, they're an online publisher. They've got a lot of, of detailed information about the deal that I'm not, uh, I'm not necessarily going to go in go into today. Um, but the biggest pieces of information that you need to know on the sports gambling side are um, that a Supreme Court ruling in 2018 legalized betting in New Jersey, and that sparked a massive wave of investment media and tech firms looking to cash in um, on what's expected to soon be coast-to-coast legal wagering. Every single state is starting to legalize sports betting. Um, It's coming around everywhere. Um, And and the networks are getting involved as well. Um, It's still being legalized at a state level, a lot of different places, but I know... um, from my personal experience, uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, they started to run nationwide ads. And when companies start devoting that kind of money to an advertisement platform, um, I think it's safe to say that they expect coast-to-coast legalization. Uh, and this is going to be a massive business. Um, and if you had any, any further doubts, um, just take a, take a look at what the Wall Street Journal is saying about Fubo. Um, In their analysis, the Wall Street Journal notes um, that there are 77 million households paying for a TV package through traditional cable. Um, And and with that being the case, there are many people still switching to streaming services. In fact, Fubo, um, in the last week of December, it ended 2020 with more than 545,000 subscribers, which might not seem like a huge number, but it is rapidly growing. Um, and the Wall Street Journal went on, and some of their analysts said that they believe Fubo will hit 3 million subscribers by 2025. Um, well, folks, we're in 2021 now, uh, and this thing is coming, and we're right on the edge of it, so there's no time to catch it quite like now. Um, so that'll, that'll conclude our coverage of some of the different streaming platforms and how gambling is going to be integrated. Um, definitely an extremely interesting topic something super relevant in the sports business world today. Um, It's something that could be super relevant to your investment portfolio, if that's anything you're looking for, Uh, or just your gambling portfolio. (laughs) If you're you're looking to to gamble on some games coming up, uh, maybe you look into Fubo TV, uh, be able to bet live while you watch it. It's pretty cool if you ask me. Um, As far as the rest of the show goes today, we've got a lot more to talk about today. Um, like I said, we've missed a few weeks, unfortunately, but it's, it's good to be back. Good to be back on a consistent basis. Um, revving up the Twitter again, going to get an Instagram going soon. Um, pump all that content out, you, out to you as frequently and consistently as we can. Um, with that being said, a little preview of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has noticed like I have. But sports cards are back with a vengeance. I mean, I when I was growing, I'm in my 20s right now. When I was growing up, my 
my dad used to tell me that when he was a kid, he would he would go around the corner to the local card store, buy a bunch of packs of uh, baseball cards, open them up, and sell them. And I thought he was just a crazy old man, but um, we're starting to see now that these things are a real investment vehicle too. There there are plenty of people turning a profit on sports cards now. Um, and some internet personalities have been pushing that as a trend as well, which I think has helped it raise the prominence just a little bit. So we'll talk about sports cards and why they're coming back. Um, we'll also move on to talk a little bit about uh, NFL, NBA, NHL salary caps, uh, MLB's lack of a salary cap, and how COVID has managed to affect all four sports in very different ways, um, albeit uh Across the board, I think we can say not ideal from a money-making perspective. But the ways in which the sports are adapting are certainly a little bit different. So it'll be fun to dive into that. Um, and, and then we'll finish up as we have been doing um, as we've been doing in our last couple shows with the lightning round. Um, the lightning round thus far, I think it's been a good success. It's we've been able to bring people a lot. A lot more stories during just our one-hour time frame than uh, than we used to be able to, um, and we're going to cover a lot today as well. I mean, we had the college football championship just happen. Um, we had a major trade in the NBA, which I won't spoil it if if you don't know what it is. Um, you'll hear about that in the lightning round. Uh, we also had the start of the NHL season just uh, just a few nights ago, so lots to talk about today. Definitely looking forward to it, uh, and we'll start with sports cards right after a short break. And that uh, short break is going to include the fact that at 10 o'clock, we've got Rocky Blyer. I'm sure you're familiar with that name. Uh, correct. Jack, you familiar with that name? Oh, yes, sir. Who isn't familiar with that name? <laughs> well, he's going to be on with us and uh, also Lee Greenwood. And I uh, want to take this moment right quick to... Uh, Salute all of our actives. This is military month and recognition of all of our folks that are on active duty right now. And uh, we do so many different veteran shows on America's Web Radio, and we're fortunate to have Lee Greenwood on today and Rocky Blyer. And um, they're going to be talking about a big event that's coming up on um, January the 28th. And... Uh, I, I, I'm ecstatic about it. I can't wait to uh, talk to them. They're both extremely nice folks, uh, just tremendous. And they give of their time to charities. And uh, we're supporting Warriors for Hope. And Warriors for Hope is the event. So you can go online and look it up, Warriors for the number four, Hope. And that's the combination of Warriors to Citizens, and that's one organization, and they have uh, combined with Hope, which is the children's, uh, St. Jude's Children Hospital, and uh, they're raising funds to continue their operations of of taking care of kids that have been diagnosed with cancer. They don't charge a penny for the kids to come and be treated. They put the families up, don't charge the families anything, and even pay the travel expenses. So it is a great foundation and a great hospital and a great charity. So 
10 o'clock, we've got Rocky Blyer, and he'll be followed at 10.30 by none other than God bless the USA, Lee Greenwood. And what a story he is, too. So be sure and tune in for those two guys at uh, 10 o'clock. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great interview. We've got... um, Joe DeLapp's going to be in here. He's with the uh, St. Jude's Foundation, and uh, he'll be telling us some uh, of the things that St. Jude's does. It's just, it's an incredible organization that was started, founded by Danny Thomas. For those that remember the TV star Danny Thomas, and make room for Daddy. Um, Anyway, yeah, make room for Daddy. So with that, let's get back to... uh, our star, Mr. Christides, and uh, more about, it. if you know something about Rocky, you might just throw it out. Yeah, no, uh, well, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, it, for us in the sports world, Rocky Blyer is a pretty uh, pretty famous player. He used to play for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day. Um, put up some incredible rushing numbers. I, I think it was, I want to say, uh, between 70 and 80. I don't know the exact um, the exact dates that he played. David, uh, does that sound about right? Between that sounds about right. And what he had gone to Vietnam and lost a foot as well and came back and still played. Yeah, so uh, just an incredible story. And then obviously we've got Lee Greenwood, who I'm sure almost everyone knows, a famous country singer coming on. So uh, pretty good example of uh, perseverance in sports with Rocky Blair. I'll, I'll definitely be listening at 10, hopefully along with um, with the rest of the listeners here. I'm excited for that for sure. And as David mentioned, it's it's a great cause as well. Um, so even, even if you're not uh, familiar with Rocky or, or Lee or their stories, definitely stick around. It'll be worth the listen. Um, Absolutely. With that being said, uh, we'll slide on back over to um, to some current sports business news um, and to the sports cards topic, which is something that again I I myself was not very um, not very involved in, not very knowledgeable about, and, and it wasn't until it was brought to my attention by uh, a few colleagues of mine that I realized just how relevant sports cards were becoming again. Uh, I mean, they're re- they're really a big business again. Um, now, for if we have any any older uh, older listeners right now who grew up collecting sports cards and are hoping that you're in for a, a huge payday now, uh, let me just warn you: your old collection's probably still worthless. Sorry to tell you that, um, but there is money to be made in today's card industry. Um, like so many opportunities. I mean, sports cards are scorching. And I, they really have been trending upward for several years. Um, but just since the pandemic, it seems that they've exploded both in popularity and in value. Um, you can chalk it up to a host of factors, uh, nostalgia, financial prospects, promising young stars. We've got a lot of talent uh, in American sports right now. Or maybe a lack of, uh, and this will be my choice most likely, a lack of competition uh, for consumers' entertainment dollars and disposable income during COVID-19. Um, I mean, you've got a lot of people sitting at home and a lot of sports fans who haven't been able to stay as engaged um, as they normally would. A, a lot of fixtures being canceled or delayed due to COVID. 
um, things of that nature. So with that mix of ingredients, uh, it's really whipped collectors into a frenzy, uh, and the sports cars business is absolutely booming. Um, the industry leader is Tops, of course. I'm sure the ring name will ring a bell for many sports fans and sports cards collectors alike. Um, next year, Tops will be celebrating its 70th anniversary, um, and they're certainly very happy uh, to see business skyrocket during the pandemic. Um, a ringing endorsement from Jeff Heckman. Uh, he's Tops Global Director of E-Commerce, and he he was uh, he was recently speaking and said that. It's, quote, the perfect time to do this thing in your own home, uh, end quote. He also went on to mention the ease of sharing collections on social media uh, and the popularity of pack openings on YouTube, um, which is a brand new craze um, brought about a lot from sports video game culture and opening virtual packs, um, which is a whole other story I, I won't even get into today, but... Um, if you haven't seen those, if you're interested in sports cards, uh, or, or perhaps you, you aren't interested in sports cards, you're just now hearing about it and you know nothing about it, uh, check out these sports cards openings, the pack openings on YouTube, um, or, or just Google sports pack, sports cards, pack opening. Um, it doesn't sound like it'd be a rush, but, uh, you get a weird adrenaline rush from, uh, watching someone open these packs and knowing that, they could either have uh, $10 in their hand or, or they could have millions of dollars if they get extremely lucky uh, and pull one of those select few cards. So something that's very, very cool moving forward. Um, and and just as, a, as some examples of how these cards are really massive money makers right now. I mean, there's big money at play. Uh, just last year, uh, pardon me, last month, uh, LeBron James rookie card sold at auction for $1.8 million. Uh, earlier this month, an unopened case of 86-87 Fleer basketball cards, uh, which was the year that Michael Jordan's rookie card came out. Uh, so an unopened case, they don't even know what's in these packs, sold for $1.78 million. Over this past weekend, a 2009 Mike Trout rookie card sold for $3.9 million, becoming the most expensive sports card ever sold at auction. Um, I mean, if that doesn't speak loud enough to you, I don't know what will. Um, there's a number of eight-year-olds right now buying $1 pack of cards looking to collect their favorite player who might end up with million-dollar cards. Um, cards today are shiny, like, high-end, I mean, they're really pieces of art if you look at them. Um, and there's always a chance they have limited edition autographs or pieces of memorabilia inside them. Any any number of ways that these card companies are increasing the value. Um, so they've gotten the kids interested by making them a little more fun. Um, and they've managed to draw everyone else's attention during the pandemic. Um, now, perhaps another driving force in this industry um, and a name I'm sure many of you will be very familiar with is Gary Vaynerchuk, or Gary V, uh, commonly known on a lot of his social media platforms. Um, he, he's a self-promoting, uh, I'd call him an entrepreneurial guru of sorts. Uh, he's really an internet personality that's managed to make a fortune through a variety of shrewd investments and business, um, business-minded moves. Um, Starting way back at when he actually 
took over his father's wine company um, and then continued on with investments in Uber and Facebook and, and a lot of internet companies. Um, and one of the coolest things about Gary Vee is, yeah, he, sure, he's successful. He's made a lot of money. It's so have a lot of people. Um, but it's his willingness to share the knowledge online um, and, and help other people grow their wealth, which has been extremely um, influential in, in pushing a lot of these online or modern-day trends uh, into the forefront. And that's exactly what happened with the playing card market. Um, there's a whole new host of clientele who treat sports cards like the stock market. Um, they're buying and flipping the product on the Internet and, and creating shortages at box retail outlets like Walmart and Target, causing the prices to surge um, and a resale market to be formed, similar to what we see um, with the Jordan tennis shoes a lot of the time. So um, it, it's really a, a huge wave. Uh, if you're looking to get started, a current set of Topps baseball cards currently sells for up to $6 a pack in, uh, in like hobby shops, uh, Walmart, Target, things of that nature. Um, and basketball cards, if you can even find them, are going for up to $18 a pack. Um, with, with a current set of Panini Illusions basketball cards selling for seven fifty a box, um, sounds crazy to me, but hey, you you might pull uh, a John Morant or, or a Zion Williamson um, or a Lamelo Ball, depending on, on what you think he'll turn into. So there's always an upside to be had with these things, uh, and there can be big values in the box. Um, for example, of how recent rookies uh, can turn you a profit. Um, if you pulled an autographed card of New Orleans Pelicans rookie Zion Williamson from last year, uh, which in fact included a piece of his jersey in the pack, you could flip it for $2,200 right now. Uh, a one-of-five green parallel card could fetch $25,000. Um, and the new LeBron James card from the same set could go for $20,000. So, it, I mean, it's huge money. Um, but that was if you pulled that $2,200 Zion card right out of the box. If you held on to it for just a year, you'd be able to sell it now for $60,000. That is insane. I mean, that kind of return on any investment is incredible, but on playing cards of all things, I mean, this is, this is really something that's disruptive and something that's fun to do. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with your friends. Um, I mean, it's just a fun way to stay involved in sports and, and, again, I guess to gamble a little bit or invest, whatever you want to call it. But there's money to be made um, in, in the sports cards world right now. So um, something that definitely worth following. Um, and I guess a little last note on the sports cards before I, before I preview our salary cap conversation just a little bit. Um, if I was hitching my wagon to some specific sports cards, outside of just my predictions of who's going to be a good player, and we all know anyone can go out and make a prediction, oh, this guy's going to be the best thing. He's the next LeBron. He's the next Jordan. He's the next Brady. No one knows for sure. So don't. if anyone tries to tell you uh, this guy this is going to be the next big thing, okay, always take that with a grain of salt, even if you think it's likely. But... Beyond just what players are going to be good, my prediction for sports cards, I would I would try to get on some of these custom artist cards. 
Uh, Tops rolled out a Project 2020 series um, just before the start of what would have been the start of the 2020 MLB season. Um, it confused a lot of collectors because uh, they didn't understand the initial offerings. Uh, they didn't know what to do about the artistic interpretations of the classic Tops rookie cards. Um, so early releases struggled to sell even a thousand copies. But once people found out about the limited quantities, collectors flocked to the website. Flippers started using bots, which I think we've talked about before, ways to backdoor into these websites and get tens of cards at once. Um, it's pushed the market values of those cards over $2,000. So I'm not telling you to go buy a $2,000 card. Um, what I'm telling you is keep an eye out because as you start to see cards come out, if there's anything rare or different about them beyond the fact that it's a limited release but for example these artistic cards or or there's a chance there's a jersey in it or memorabilia or anything like that buy 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 um jack let me ask you you in unique cards jack yes, let, me, let me ask you uh and i know you're too young to remember and probably your father was too young to remember what was the other name for Baseball cards or uh, sports cards? Do you know? Uh, yeah, no. There's a. Mm, they were bubblegum cards. Box, uh, is definitely the biggest one. I've seen a couple different ones in stores. Um, so, a lot of different. There's like Prism um, is another big one. Contenders, uh, Absolute. No, this one. When I when they first really came, I think they I think baseball cards go back to what the thirties maybe or a long time. Oh, yeah, way back. But when I was a kid, we called they were bubblegum cards because the car sports card came with a piece of bubblegum wrapped around it. You know. Or not around the card. The, the card and the bubble gum were wrapped up in a little bitty package, and you'd, the bubble gum was never very good, but uh, it smelled good, and there was, you'd always sniff the package when you'd open up your baseball card or whatever it happened to be, your sports card. In fact, um, when I was growing up, it was they were mainly only baseball cards, Mickey Mantle and you know so forth and so on. And, uh, you know, even back then, you'd sit around with friends and trade cards, you know. And uh, it's like many things. You can only save so many things in your life, and I got a house full of stuff. But I wished I had my old collection of baseball cards. God knows what they'd be worth today. And, uh, yeah, I think there's uh, I think there's probably a lot of people saying that right about now. Yeah, do they uh, do they still put statistics on on the cards? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, most of the cards have got like cool pictures of the player, and then just a list of their statistics. Um, and then uh, that's why there's there's always uh, always new cards coming out because there's always new statistics. Yeah. Well, with that being said, we got to take our second break, and we'll be back. And don't forget that this is Military Appreciation Month. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. 
I would also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And just to remind you that we've got Rocky Blyer on at 10 o'clock and also our favorite Lee Greenwood. God bless the USA. And we'll be interviewing um, Lee and Rocky both on uh, America's Web Radio at 10 o'clock. If you have a chance, please put that out on your, if what's left of it, Twitter or Facebook or whatever's left. And uh, let your friends know to tune in to America's Web Radio at 10 o'clock. It's going to be well worth it. We'll archive the show just as quickly as we can so you can listen to it later today or tomorrow or whenever you want to listen to it. But it will be a great show, and it supports a great, great two organizations, as a matter of fact, Warriors to Citizens and St. Jude's Hospital Children's Hospital. So please tune in at 10. And I know Jack, as soon as he gets off the air, he's going to put it on his Facebook to tune in to America's Web Radio. And I hope all of you will put it on your social media to tune in. We would really appreciate it, and I know Lee Greenwood and Rocky will appreciate it. So with that, let's get back to Jack and Billion Dollar Ballers. It's all yours, Jack. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Still definitely looking forward to uh, this next segment at 10. Um, Again, can't reiterate enough. Uh, the importance of those organizations and uh, those two great men and all, all that they've been able to do. So um, definitely I'll be listening uh, and posting on social media, and, and be sure to tune in for that. Um, speaking of NFL stars, uh, definitely an interesting situation for a lot of stars coming up as the 2021 NFL salary cap uh, is poised to decline. Now, th- this is something that all the way back to the start of this show, almost a calendar year ago, um, something that I was preaching and discussing at length was that the longest, uh, the longest standing impacts of COVID um, in terms of the business of professional sports uh, outside of media um, and event planning was most definitely going to be the effect of uh, lost revenue on the salary cap. Now, Um, We've talked about it at length. I don't need to get into the detail um, on this show as I've gone into in some past shows. Um, Of course, all the shows are archived on americaswebradio.com. Feel free to go back and listen in some of our earlier shows. I did go into a little more detail. Um, But the way that most NFL contracts and and most salary cap league contracts are built out um, is with an escalating pay... um, with an assumption that uh, that pay will correlate to a, a percentage of the salary cap, which is always uh, projected to and almost always does increase in these leagues. However, uh, COVID happened last year, and obviously um, every single league was hit hard. A lack of fans meant, um, meant huge losses to game day revenues for teams, not to mention the fact that games were postponed, canceled, um, 
there was just a lot, a lot of lost money in in many of these sports for a number of reasons. Um, and as I predicted um, many months ago, the salary cap is now set to decline. Um, now there are, there are several major consequences of this. We're going to talk about a couple different sports, but we're going to start in the NFL. Um, and it's always a balancing act in the NFL when you talk about teams complying with the NFL salary cap from year to year. Um, and it's not a job that general managers and decision makers um, take lightly. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest jobs. Having worked for a professional NFL franchise, it's one of the, the biggest things that people are working on behind the scenes. Um, and right now, not only do they have to navigate the pandemic-impacted regular season, um, they have to prepare for the biggest salary cap challenge the league has most likely ever faced. Um, clubs know that there will be a decrease in the cap number next year, but what what will that decrease be? And that's still unknowable. Um, there are estimates out there, but there's no official number from the league yet. Um, obviously, all 32 teams must be below the cap number at the start of the new league year. Um, and the salary cap has only ever decreased one other time. Um, if we had a, if we had a call in line right now, I'd let people guess. But um, I think most people, most most big fans of the NFL probably know um, that year was 2011, the year of the NFL lockout. Uh, in fact, over the past seven seasons, the league salary cap per club has increased by no less than 10 million per year since 2012. So clearly, um, it's been growing massively. Um, now, over the cap, uh, an organization that estimates salary caps estimates that the 2021 salary cap will be $176 million. Um, that's a decrease of $22 million from last year. Again, this is just a project- projection, but um, that will be an 11% decrease from 2020. So uh, the biggest drop in the history of the league and uh, one of only two drops in the history of the league. Um, so that is really going to change what teams are able to do. I mean, they have less money to spend on these players. Uh, well, I'll give you a couple of my takes on what I think it could affect, and then um, then we can hop over and, and talk about some other sports quickly. Um, but the first thing that I think that it could affect is using the franchise tag uh, is going to become far more difficult. Uh, each team can only use one franchise tag per season. Uh, over the past 10 years, there have been three instances where at least 10 players received the tag. Um, well, the lowest number of tags was four. That was 2014. Now, the salary cap uh, plays a huge role in franchise tagging because franchise tag figures are based upon the top five salaries at each respective position. Um, now, simple math will tell you that an increased cost of franchise tags for each position um, is going to have a bigger impact on an overall cap number that's reduced. Um, so I, I guess a simpler way of saying it would be the top highest paid players in each of their positions are still getting paid the same amount of money. Um, and salary cap and and franchise tags are still going to be an average of the top five highest paid players. None of that gets changed by a lower salary cap. All that gets changed by a lower salary cap is there's less money to spend total on players. So you're now paying uh, a player who is franchise tagged a much higher percentage of your available money under the salary cap. Um, So it's going to get difficult to franchise tag players. 
Um, so you might see stars um, such as Dak Prescott, who, who was already 13.5% of his team's salary cap. Uh, looking to next year, I mean, that's going to be a massive percentage of the salary cap that, that may make it not worth it to franchise tag players. So keep an eye on that. Um, also, teams with less draft capital are probably going to be in for longer periods of hardship. Again, um, those of you who are extremely familiar with the NFL will know, rookie contracts are far lower paying than uh, than the rest of the contracts. I mean, it's um, it's no small reason that Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, um, so many of these great quarterbacks in the playoffs still are on a rookie deal. It's because it saves your team a whole lot of money. Um, now, if you have less draft picks, um, you're not going to get cheap players. So if the teams with more draft picks, if they have stronger drafts, they could be in for um, for a good peer, a good little stretch here. But if you don't have a lot of draft ca- capital right now, um, then you certainly could run into issues, um, being that there's going to be less money to spend. Uh, and lastly, this is a huge threat to veteran roster spots. Um, typically, you know, you fill out a roster at the at the end with a lot of veterans to leave in the locker room you can get them a little bit cheaper it's just uh just it works out for all all people involved but with a lowering salary cap i think that there's a lot of veterans who are going to be um getting passed up on because the veteran contracts are more um than the rookie contracts they they are more than a lot of other contracts um it, it it may not seem like much um, but the VSB contracts, veteran salary benefited contracts, um, they provide some cap relief for veteran players, but it's still pretty restrictive. Um, those contracts uh, have been the only thing saving veterans' jobs this far, and, and with the salary cap decreasing, I don't know that it will be able to save um, their jobs. So in summary, things that I think will happen because of the low salary cap, uh, veterans are going to lose roster spots, Teams with less draft capital won't do as well. Uh, it'll be harder to use the franchise tag. And last but not least, I think that superstars, you're going to see signing short deals uh, until the cap rebounds and they can uh, they can ask for more money. Uh, teams just don't have the ability to pay superstars what they would have been able to pay them entering last year even. Um, so 2021 will be a re- really weird year. Um, but with new ideas such as the Nickelodeon stream and uh, integrating gambling, I'm sure they'll find ways to make up some revenue um, and hopefully get that salary cap back up where it needs to be. We don't have quite as much time as I would have liked to talk about other leagues, um, so I think I'll just jump right to the NHL um, and save the NBA for next show. The NHL is perhaps something that is in... Um, the most trouble throughout all of this. Now, I don't know that I officially went on record as saying I don't think the NHL is going to exist in a few years, but um, I know that I've brought up on this show in the past just how dangerous of a predicament COVID is for the NHL. The NHL is not the NBA. The NHL is not the NFL. It relies heavily on game day revenue. That's because the television contracts aren't as large as the NBA and the NFL. Uh, They simply can't afford to not have fans at their games for too long. The season just started, and the commissioner, Gary Bettman, has already said the league will lose 
over $1 billion this year. When I say lose a billion dollars, I'm not talking about that that's a revenue loss. I'm, the league will lose $1 billion, minus $1 billion, an outflow of cash. That's not good. Uh, a handful of teams have the ability to host fans at their indoor rinks right now um, in accordance with local health guard guidelines, but not all the teams do. Um, and, and they're going to lose much, much, much more money than initially expected um, just due to the, the length that COVID has gone on. I mean, at the beginning of this pandemic, um, not everybody knew when we'd be out of it. Maybe people thought we'd get back to a normal NHL season, but this is not sustainable for a long period of time for the NHL. Uh, fans are account for roughly 50% of the NHL's revenue. Um, fans going through the door at the at the arenas. Um, in fact, NHL teams would lose less money if they didn't play this upcoming season. Uh, they're going back to play because they think it's important for the game, the fans, and the players, um, and a sense of normalcy for, for the world, sports world in general. But they're losing money by playing this season, and there's only so much that an owner is going to put up with. We've got to remember, as always in sports, a professional sports franchise tends to be an investment for a billionaire owner or ownership group. Um, and in times of in non-pandemic times, it's usually a great investment. Um, but right now, the NHL is bleeding, and they might just be bleeding out. We'll see. Um, the owners are unanimously okay with taking a hit for this year because they know how important it is to play the game. But they're not going to be okay with that for long. And the NHL might have to get extremely creative with their indoor arenas um, in order to make up some of this revenue and, and try to move forward with a successful league. Fingers crossed the NHL can pull it out. I think they can. Um, all we can do is, is hope and, and hope for innovation and, and new revenue streams. So we'll see what happens. But um, that being said, lightning round on the clock right after this short break. And want to remind everybody again that uh, we've got Lee Greenwood on and Rocky Blyer will be on with him in about, oh, it'll start in about 10 minutes, a little bit after that. So stay tuned for that. And um, we want to uh, thank uh, Jack for all the great information and We'll uh, be back to Jack in just a moment. Hey, guys, it's Minister Frankie with Shine His Light Ministries. It's getting cold outside, and winter is coming. It's time to shine a little light on our friends on the street. We're collecting blankets and coats for the homeless all winter long. Please donate Joe, come on in. to our website at www.shinehislightministry.com. 
Or text 770 Hurry to place. In the middle, it will be fine, too. That might make you sick. I hope not. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for yeah, St. Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And so Rocky's calling in first, right? He's calling at 5 of 10. Okay. That reminded me yesterday, so he's pretty... Good and diligent. Oh, they're, they're great. Let's go ahead and get started with you. Um, oh, got yeah. Yeah, I'll bring it back. Okay, so we're we're getting uh, things all my fault, all messed up here, there, and everywhere. But it's uh, sort of an exciting, not sort of, it is an exciting day when we've got. Lee Greenwood going to be interviewed, and also Rocky Blyer. And I think, uh, and we've got the star of the show, Joe DeLapp, in. He's already here. Now, Joe, let me just ask you right quick. Uh, yeah, we're going to get back to it. Just hold on a second. And um, Joe and or Rocky and Lee are going to be on at the same time, right? Uh, Rocky's going to join us from the beginning, and Lee's going to join us at about uh, 10.35. Okay, but they will. Will Rocky stay on? At- Rocky's going to stay on the entire event. Oh, great. Okay, and we're going to have some exciting news about some of the things that you can bid on. Let's get back to um, old Jack, and uh, it's been sort of a, a little bit of a messed up day, Jack. I'm sorry, but uh, it's exciting here thinking that that we're going to be honored with having two stars, Rocky Blyer and Lee Greenwood on, and Joe DeLapp. So, back to you, Jack. Yeah, of course, and uh, no worries there. I think everyone's excited and uh, looking forward to 10 o'clock when we get to hear those guys. So, I know I am. So, um, try to bang out this lightning round as quickly as we can, and then uh, then listen to two legends talk. So, um lot to cover quickly in the lightning round, but I think I'll just start um, with the Connected Fitness Platform now. The Connected Fitness Platforms, talked a little bit about them before. It's like your Pelotons, your Mirrors, all these at-home fitness training programs which have been exploding in value um, ever since everyone's been locked up in their homes. The newest one is called Keep. It raised $360 million uh, in Serie A funding valued at $2 billion, the, uh, just something to keep an eye on. Um, if you're looking to invest in at-home fitness, maybe that's something that you look into. Um, it is a Chinese app, um, Miss something to note for sure. Um, let's move on. Not that interesting. Something that is extremely interesting, something that we haven't talked about in weeks on this show with major international implications. The Japan Olympics. What is going on with the Japan Olympics? Uh, 
less than 200 days from the rescheduled Tokyo Olympics. Remember, they were supposed to be last summer. Um, less than 200 days from the start of those Olympics. Japan has yet again de- declared a second state of emergency after another wave of COVID-19 cases. Um, now, Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga does expect to lift the emergency order on February 7th. Um, but others, including Japan's top virus advisor, are less optimistic about lifting the state of emergency by that date. Um, again, the Tokyo Games were first delayed in March 2020, um, with Olympic organizers saying that if the events can't happen in 2021, they're going to be canceled. Um, now, even a scaled-down version of the Tokyo Games would likely require testing, quarantines, uh, logistical changes. Uh, the bloated $15.4 billion budget for the Games could continue to inflate even more than it already has. Um, and at this point, this could be a real burden on the Japanese, uh, as opposed to uh, a big revenue stream, which it normally would be. Um, now, another issue that, that they're going to run into with these Olympics is, again, it's an international event. Um, you've got people coming from all across the world. COVID is spiking yet again. Uh, is this going to be a true Olympics? Is everyone going to be able um, to take part? And unfortunately, I have more questions than answers for you right now, because it doesn't seem like Japan knows what's going on. Um, so the Olympics really, at this point, up in the air. Um, but as we talked about before, it would be historic to have an Olympics canceled. We've had world wars where the Olympics continue to go on. Um, the Olympics are supposed to be an event to show uh, unity through sports for all peoples in all countries. Um, So I I certainly hope that the Olympics is able to move forward, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Conor McGregor, Mr. Mystic Mac, is fighting next weekend, fighting Dustin Poirier. He's back. If you don't know who Conor McGregor is, you're living under a rock. Conor McGregor is the most... Electric, the biggest name in UFC, um, Ultimate Fighting, MMA, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he's back. He, he's main eventing Saturday, January 23rd. Expect UFC to break streaming records again. Um, maybe the most streamed fight of all time. Again, ESPN Plus, UFC. Um, and I'm going to go out and make a prediction that it's the most gambled on event ever as well. Um, we'll see if I'm right. Uh, even if I'm wrong, I know it'll be close. So, um, just as always during the lightning round, I want to update you on some things coming up that you might want to watch or be a part of. Don't miss out on Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, a rematch Saturday, January 3rd, and a huge money driver for an already thriving UFC. Um, Really, in sports business, maybe the story of 2020 was the UFC, as we talked about many times before. The first sport to come back during the pandemic, the first sport to try the no-fans idea. They did Fight Island, took all those people, flew them out to Abu Dhabi, had them quarantine, and put on a number of successful shows. Increased their viewership share by over 150%. Um, Outstanding work from Dana White and the UFC. Keep it up. 
I think we should always support um, sports stories that are really driving through this pandemic and not letting it keep them down. I think that's a good example for everyone to follow, um, and specifically other sports, major sports companies. So, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, January 23rd. Uh, Mark Davis, for those of you who know Mark Davis, Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis just purchased the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces from MGM. Uh, You might be asking, Jack, why are you talking about the WNBA? Nobody cares about the WNBA. Um, It's harsh, but uh, look at the numbers. Um, I'm sorry if there are some women out there who are big fans of the WNBA, but I think we can all agree the WNBA is a far cry from being anywhere near um, the NBA or the NFL in terms of popularity. With that being said... Um, the purchase of a uh, Las Vegas franchise by Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis um, does signify that at least some in professional sports do value, um, from an investment standpoint, WNBA assets. Um, and, and you know Mark Davis uh, in Las Vegas purchasing a team. It's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be. It's going to be Vegas. It's going to be. It's going to be interesting. So um, I, I would say keep an eye on that. We could be seeing um, some reinvestment into the WNBA, maybe some new revenue-driving ideas, um, some entertainment, I'm sure, coming out of Las Vegas. So congrats to Mark Davis, and uh, we'll monitor that closely. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, and I think probably the last thing I'll touch on today is GameStop. Um, GameStop stocks rose by the most they ever have. Um, and, and day traders have circled accordingly. Um, just days after the addition of activist investor um, and Chewy Inc. co-founder Ryan Cohen um, to their retail board, uh, it's great to see a Texas company like GameStop coming back. It's also great to see a video game company that's in retail coming back. Um, so for, the, for those of you who were doubting the retail space um, when it comes to video games, it is great um, to see that video games as a whole are surging right now. Got to wind um, it up. Don't know how long it'll last, but great to see. So with that being said, that'll close our lightning round out. Um, definitely looking forward to listening to two legends talk, uh, Mr. Breyer Mr. Greenwood. Um, so with that, I'm Jack Christides. This has been Billion Dollar Ballers. Stick around, and um, let's hear what the men have to say. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.